Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. Well, you know, if you've been listening, the cornerstone of this show is tackling the tough topics of today and how they relate to ministry and the Christian life. On this show, we've spoken a few times about issues surrounding racism and civil unrest, which which has never been more important than in recent days with the civil unrest across the country. Today, we're going to discuss how to have productive conversations about race with family and friends. How can you have meaningful conversations with the people you love about issues surrounding racism without stoking seeds of discord? But first, I want to talk to you about a fun change that we're making for the upcoming months. If you've been listening to the show, you know that the voices of young adults are so important to me and I believe to Christianity as a whole, as they are the generation that are coming up into leadership in the Christian world. So for the next few months, I've asked young adults to join me here in the studio to serve as guest co-hosts. And not only are they serving as guest co-hosts, but they're bringing Uh, issues that they think are of of utmost importance to discuss in the life of the church today. Today with me is Lauren Warden. She is a Knoxville, Tennessee native, and she's currently getting her master's degree in New Testament at Denver Seminary. She works with the Young Adult Initiative at Denver Seminary, researching young adults and the church. She has a passion for studying and teaching scripture and encouraging students and young adults to a deeper faith. And she loves spending time with her husband, Jason, and her dog, Kootenai. Is that right? Yes. Kootenai. I finally said it right. I've been practicing for a while. And today, our guest is Yasmeen Arrington. Yasmeen was born and raised in Washington, D.C. She's the founder and executive director of Scholar Chips Incorporated, a nonprofit that provides college scholarships, mentoring, and a support network to children of incarcerated parents inspiring them to complete their college education. She is also the founder of Incarcicare LLC, a company that provides care packages to those in prison, uh, returning citizens and those on home confinement. She graduated from Elon University in 2010 with her Bachelor of Arts in Strategic Communications in History and graduated with her Master's of Divinity degree from Howard University School of Divinity in 2018. Yasmeen and Lauren, welcome to the Christian Curious. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Scott. Thanks for having us. Well, thank you for being here. Lauren, I'd like you to launch into the first question that you have for um, Yasmeen. I know that this topic has come out of your research. You've been very interested in um, how people can have productive conversations about racism. So why don't you launch into um, our discussion today? Absolutely. Yasmin, thanks for being here. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, my first question for you um, is what advice do you have for talking with family, uh, maybe parents or extendly, extended family members, about the issue of racism? Yes, yes, that's an excellent question. Um, well, uh, I... 
I think it's safe to say that uh, for a lot of us, we have at least one family member, if not more. Some of us have very large families that we're close to uh, or small immediate families that we're close to. Um, I think that, you know, when we have our spare time, uh, you know, when you when you shut off your phone for, for a few hours or for a day or two, uh, and, you know, shut out from emails and you go over to grandma's house or mom and dad's house or your brother and sister's house, uh, uh, you all come together, that when you're having your regular conversations, whether it's over dinner, whether, it's, you know, you just finished watching a movie uh, or you're just laughing and talking, to, to, you know, to just have the conversation. And it can be very um, casual and and I think it can be presented in a very open and loving way, you know, like maybe even use an opener like, hey, Dad, you know, I want to talk with you about something. Or, you know, hey, Grandma, I'd like to ask your opinion about something. Uh, you could also potentially open up the conversation with things that you've seen in the news. Um, That's a great point. Maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe it was a Black Lives Matter protest or the DNC just happened, the, the, the RNC just happened. Um, and so, you know, maybe bring up something that you saw or that you heard and, and, and just kind of open the conversation and, and see what they say. But don't be afraid. I would just say, you know, don't be afraid of the responses you may hear. Just be open and willing to listen, uh, to, just, to just listen, really. And then, you know, of course, provide, provide your thoughts and your response as well. Yeah. Why do you think that uh, people you know, are afraid to broach this topic with their family. You mentioned afraid a few times. And so why do you think, where do you think that fear stems from? Yeah. Well, I think, it, you know, I'm kind of speaking from my own experience and purview and in speaking with others and, and also having a few friends who are interracial couples. Uh, and so those are conversations that they've had to have with their parents and their family because they were, you know, they were going to marry or welcoming someone into the family who isn't perhaps from where they're from or look how they look. And so I think that, uh, I think for those of us that have positive relationships with family members, we, we generally want to make them proud. We generally, you know, kind of want to have happy feelings uh, uh, and, and, and positive conversations about uh, you know, about whatever it is we talk about. And sometimes it's a little, it can be a little intimidating, especially if you kind of already know how your dad or how your mom or your grandparents or great-grandparents even uh, or, or brothers and sisters or cousins, aunts, uncles, how they, may, how they may feel about a certain issue. Because in all transparency, we all have those family members who, like, mm-hmm. you know, live out in the boondocks or, you know, live out <laughs> in the country. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and you know, it, it could be in the city, too. But, like, we all have those family members who, who have, like, very extreme or very particular uh, uh, thoughts about, about life, about race. And, and we, we know that sometimes it can be a sensitive issue. So I think that most people just, you know, refrain from even having those conversations because they really just kind of like, like, no, okay, I already know how they feel about it. So there's no point in bringing it up and there, you know, there's no changing their mind. And so we don't even, we don't even address it. We just rather would just have happy time with our family. But 
But but I think it's something that really is important that we should we should have those conversations and and I don't think it should be a scary. I mean, yeah, your your heart might race at first, but I think once you just get into it and start listening, then you know once you get someone talking, that opens up the doors of possibilities, and the conversation can go anywhere. Yeah. And even if you both don't agree. You know, as they say, you can, hopefully, you can agree to disagree, and hopefully people won't start throwing plates, you know, across the room. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, I think that part of the fear, too, may be that people, this conversation has been going on for a long time. I mean, it's been present Mm -hmm. with us from the foundation of our country. Um, Yes. You know, I did a master's thesis on Alexis de Tocqueville's Democracy in America, and he came here in 1832, and he uh, said that because of the relations between African Americans and white people, it's baked into the foundation of our country, and that it's Mm -hmm. always going to be an issue. And so today, it's, you know, more, it's more relevant than ever, and I think that some of the fear may be because everyone knows that everyone is tired or may be exhausted by the political discourse because you can't say anything without being in some way political. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, yeah. what do you think, uh, young, you know, how do you think people can use scripture to aid in their conversations? Yes. First of all, I just love this question. I absolutely love this question. Um, you know, one the, the word of God in, 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 in Protestantism and Christianity, no matter what demographic, I mean, no matter what um, denomination or even the non-denominational church that, that you attend or that, you know, that you, that you follow, we all have this, have, you know, the, the, the Holy Bible, the word of God as our, as our sacred text, as our, as our, you know, canon and roadmap for life. And what I love about the Bible, there are so many scriptures, so many scriptures that talk about how we ought to treat one another, uh, how we ought to view one another, and also how, how why it's important to God for us to, to be about justice, um, and, 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 and like both why it's important and how we can do it. And so I just want to point out a few scriptures that I love that that you might want to uh, that anyone may want to adopt into those conversations or even take some more time to study and reflect. Um, and, and I think some of them, a couple of them, the most well-known uh, passages of scripture are, of course, Matthew 25, particularly Matthew 25 verses 35 through 46 where it basically, you know, says, as we all are familiar with, you know, when I was hungry, you fed me, or you gave mm-hmm. me meat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you took me in. When I was in prison, you came to visit me, right? And then mm-hmm. and then the Lord says, you know, as you do these things unto the least of these, you also do unto me. Uh, and then in Micah, Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says, He has showed you, Oh man, what is good? And yes, what that's my does favorite. The Lord require of you, right? But to do justice, or some translations say, do justly, 
and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Um, And then Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15 says, Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Uh, so, you know, there, there are just so many rich uh, scriptures that point direct, that speak directly to how we ought to, you know, love one another, treat one another, um, and, and, and to do justice and love mercy. Mm-hmm. And so those, those, I think the scriptures can also be conversation starters. And, and I, I welcome and suggest that for any, you know, not, not just, I think that sometimes a lot of times in, in Christianity, in the Christian faith, in the Christian tradition, in the Christian practice, we kind of have a tendency to look to our pastor and to the executive ministers uh, for leadership, for, you know, a, a, the exegeting of text of, of the gospel. But we all have a responsibility mm-hmm. to read our word, to study, yeah. to to really, really, like, the only way that you can get to know the character of God and how we are to exemplify Christ, Jesus Christ's example that he clearly laid out during his life, um, you know, is, is to read for ourselves, right? But not only to read, not only be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word. So we basically are sort of, you know, as we read the Scripture, as we study the Bible, uh, you know, different Scriptures and you know, the, the hope is and the, the, the plan is that we sort of, for lack of a better term, morph more into a Christ-like mm. human being. Yeah. But, there, but there's always going to be that struggle between spirit and flesh. There's mm. always going to be a spiritual warfare. So a lot of the perspective that humans have regarding other people is less about their their religious belief mm. and it's more about the, the the worldly secular view as to where we might value our history or mm. our flag or or whatever you know our ancestors and their beliefs we may value put those things up on a pedestal more than we do what the word says about how we ought to treat people and what we ought to do for people and 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 yeah. Jesus also says, you know, that that the greatest among you shall be your servant. So how is it that we can, you know, maybe think that we're better than than someone else because of where they come from or what they look like, uh, or or the money that they have or don't have, when we're actually called to be servants, right. we're called to help, we're called to disciple, we're called to love, right? Yes. You know, Yasmin, one of my favorite passages is Jeremiah 22, 16, where it says that he pled the cause of the afflicted and the needy. Then it was well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? To know God is to plead the cause of the needy and the afflicted, to raise up Mm -hmm. the people that suffer from injustice. That is what mm-hmm. he said. That's one of the only ways he says, is this not what it means to know me is to plead the mm-hmm. cause of the needy and the afflicted. And so I, I think that's exactly what, um, you know, goes right in alignment with, with what you're saying. Yeah. Praise God that it, he didn't leave it up to mystery, how we should treat one another. Right. He's pretty clear yes. about it. He's pretty clear. Yeah. Um, yes. Yasmin, a lot of my young adults in my churches uh, have expressed 
that they feel pressure to post on social media lest they get canceled or judged by their peers. Um, how do you think mm -hmm. social media can actually help these conversations on racism? Right. The, those are all excellent questions. Um, I think that there's something to be said about positive peer pressure. Um, you know, when I think that in general we hear when we reference peer pressure or say the word or the term peer pressure, it's, you know, just based on the connotation and the denotation of it, we automatically think like, you know, oh, you know, the, 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 the peer group is pressuring someone into doing something that they're not supposed to be doing or, or, or maybe something that, you know, may not be, you know, the most positive thing. But, but I think that peer pressure to speak up and to speak out when you see when you see something that's wrong, I, you know, I think there's mm -hmm. something to be, to be said about that. Now, I will say with young people, I don't think that you should post anything or say anything or do anything that you yourself don't feel comfortable and don't, like, if you, if you, if you put something out, if you feel like, okay, if I post this, I'm going to be scared for my life or I'm not going to be able to go to sleep at night or I just feel really uncomfortable doing this, then please don't do it. Like even, even, and sometimes I think we, we have to, when I was a teenager in all transparency and throughout my childhood, I was, I was, I never had a lot of friends. I never had a lot of friends. I, I only had a couple of good friends who really like, got me and who understood me and who respected me as a, as a person, as a human, and who loved me regardless. And and in life, everybody's not going to like us, and, and right. everybody's not going to walk with us. And all of the people who are with us in middle school and in high school, and even in college, most of those people, you, you most of them you'll never see again. Yeah. You know, you may see them on Facebook and social media. So we, I think we, you know, we probably, I want to encourage young people to turn inwardly turn inwardly to try to silence all of the noise and the voices and really for young Christians, listen, take the time to just sit in prayer, literally sit in prayer. If you can't, if you have, some people have uh, issues with praying, they get distracted easily, like they'll be praying and they have another random thought. And <laughs> another random thought. Right, it happens. So it does. Yeah, yeah. So if that's you, find a prayer partner. Like, don't be afraid to ask just a couple of your close friends, hey, would you be willing to be my prayer partner? And you both pray together mm -hmm. and just listen to what God is telling you to do in, in, this, in this time of, of racial turmoil. And, and, you know, don't feel pressure to post something on social media that you feel uncomfortable with or, or you or you don't believe, or you're just like, oh, I'm just going to post this so that I'm, I'm in the crowd, mm -hmm. you know, so, so people don't look at me with the left eye. I mean, by the way, most school is virtual now, so you're not going to see them in person anyway for a while. <laughs> um, but but how, how I believe social media can be helpful, you know, the great thing about, about social media is you can, you can reach so many people with, with, with positive messages, and you can also, I use it a lot, I use social media a lot, like daily, to engage, to let people know the positive things that I'm doing, or, or to invite them to different panel discussions and conversations, and you can honestly just open dialogue on your Facebook, I've seen it where people will kind of, they might get some context to it and say, you know, recently in the news, like for example, in Washington, D.C., literally yesterday, 
a young African-American male. He was only like 15 years old. He was shot and killed by our Metropolitan Police, by, by, by someone in law enforcement in our Metropolitan Police Department. That same day, yesterday, this was on September, well, not yesterday, but, but September the 2nd, um, you know, I was sitting on a panel, literally I was moderating a panel that included all these various leaders from juvenile justice, from our juvenile justice system agencies, including family court and including the Metropolitan Police Department. And, you know, we talked about racial justice and, and what, you know, why it's so important because these, you know, these types of incidents have constantly happened. And, and, and there's a, there's a reason, there's a, there is a reason why, but, but I think people are too afraid to really just get to the bottom of it, to get to the bottom of these, you know, why these reflexes are happening, why people have these thoughts about, you know, blacks or Latinos or, or, or immigrants and, and other people. Um, you know, we, we, there, you really can't get to the bottom of anything, especially as a person individually, if you don't, if you don't have a conversation with mm-hmm. yourself or with someone else, if you don't, if you don't get to the bottom of it. So anyway, I kind of went on a soapbox. <laughs> you know, you can just post, just, just say, hey, guys, you know, what do you think about this incident that just happened? What do you think about this rhetoric? And, and don't be afraid of, of, you'd be surprised. Most people actually want to share their perspectives and their purview, especially on social media, because mm-hmm. it, people feel more comfortable behind the screen. Right. Right. You know what um, I thought of is you were speaking, talking about, you know, centering yourself in the Lord and what the Lord wants you to say, what the Lord wants you to do. How does he want to, you to utilize social media? And I have this memory of sitting in my uh, dad's bedroom, my parents were divorced and my dad had custody. And I was always so worried. I was like you, Yasmin. I didn't have a lot of friends and people didn't like me a lot of times because um, I used words that nobody understood because I just read books all the time. And, <laughs> right, you know, and I just, and I was just sitting there saying, dad, nobody likes me. And he's, over and over again, we had this conversation so many times. He said, Haley, no matter what you do, somebody is not going to like you. Mm -hmm. And even if you were perfect and everybody liked you, somebody would not like you because everybody liked you. (laughs) And he said, think about Jesus. Jesus walked this earth and he didn't have a single sin. He didn't do a single thing wrong. And look what happened to him. Not everybody liked him. Why do you expect everybody to like you? And it's really an idol in our heart, in a sense, whenever we get distracted from our messaging, from what God is telling us to say, because we are afraid of what other people are going to say. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 and yes. Yes, to everything you just said. Yes. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother used to say to me, she would say, yes, we look. If you have at least two good friends, you're doing something right. <laughs> she, said, she, said, you know, she always said, you don't need a lot of friends, Yasmin, just one or two good friends, and you're mm-hmm. doing all right. <laughs> yes, our parents and our grandparents are pretty wise, aren't they? Oh, my goodness, they're so wise. <laughs> I still run to my grandmother to this very day. 
<laughs> me too. My grandmother's 87 and I go to her all the time. Um, oh, <laughs> yes. um, so, you know, in closing, what do you think are the three most important things that especially that young adults, especially white young adults can do to aid in rec racial reconciliation? You know, we want action points. We want to know what to do, but sometimes we're, you know, sometimes people are afraid to ask. So what would you, what are some recommendations that you have on how we can start aiding in racial reconciliation? Excellent, excellent question. One, um, have the conversations with your family and friends. Just bring it up over dinner or e even if you have to give a disclaimer or let them know in advance or don't tell them at all, just continue to have the conversations. Um, they, you may have some, some good laughs in between. It, do, it doesn't have to be that intimidating. Uh, two, I encourage you to uh, get on trustee boards or, or like young alumni council boards on your, in your alma maters, you know, undergraduate, graduate schools, and be a part of the conversation you know, um, and, and the leadership, and hold hold leadership accountable. Mm -hmm. Hold the leadership accountable in your church, in your community, in your in your uh, educational institutions. Um, just you know, hold people accountable, uh, and and get and continue to be involved uh, in your community and academic institutions, and, and and continue to have those conversations there as well. Persevere in involvement in conversation. Yasmin, thank you yeah. so much for joining us today. I appreciate all the wisdom that you've you've provided for us here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you for asking these timely, uh, just wonderful, thought-provoking questions. Well, you're so welcome. I mean, it's our honor. You've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley, guest co-host Lauren Warden, and our guest Yasmin Arrington. Reach out anytime with questions or concerns to Dr. Haley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E -E at ChristianCurious.org. Remember to stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at her email, drhaley at ChristianCurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E -E at ChristianCurious.org. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, ChristianCurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.